Hey, PSP3 Nation. Welcome to the Peak Sports Performance Podcast, dedicated to helping our family become not only elite athletes, but also elite individuals. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us on a special episode of the Peak Sports Performance Podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with one of our very own PSP3 family members, Kyle Weems, who currently plays professional basketball in Italy and has been in lockdown for 12 days. Kyle, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Our listeners are very excited to learn more about you, your family, and your journey to where you are today. I appreciate you having me, man. So we'll start with it. Well, the first question, Kyle, uh, you grew up locally in Topeka. Give me a little background on your early years and how that led to you playing college basketball at Missouri State University. So uh, I'll kind of start um, around my freshman year, kind of have a unique story. I was about 5'9", I don't know, 145 pounds maybe, just pudgy, not very athletic. I could shoot. I could handle the ball. Um, but just didn't know, you know, which way this thing was going to go. And it was time for me to kind of put down football, put down base, uh, baseball and, you know, give it a my offer for basketball and see how far I could go. That was always my dream. That was always my passion. Um, I didn't play any summer ball uh, my freshman year going into my sophomore year. And I just was in the gym every day from literally probably 8 to 12 at my high school, at Holland Park High School, and uh, just got after it, man, and just tried to, you know, and, you know, get that work ethic going and, you know, just uh, just put the work in, man, and, and just wanted to be able to play high school basketball, you know, and that led me to, you know, going into my, uh, my sophomore year. I was excited. I played mainly JV, but I suited up, uh, varsity. Uh, however, um, over the course of, of that summer, uh, I grew about seven inches. So wow. I went from about, you know, five, nine to, you know, six, five and a half close to six, six. Um, and so, uh, I could, you know, I felt different on the court. Um, certain things were a lot easier, obviously, with with that growth spurt. And, uh, you know, my coaches saw a lot saw a lot in me, you know, um, and a lot of upside in me and, and just continue to put the work in. Um, and then after my sophomore year, um, you know, word travels with, you know, throughout the state. And I got a trial with Kansas City Pump and Run, um, AAU program, who's now still there locally in Kansas City called Run GMC. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, honestly, I don't know where I'd be without without that opportunity. Um, LJ Goolsby still runs that program, um, you know, and, and he got me that exposure, um, which eventually led me to get to Missouri State. But um, played with them for two summers, as well as obviously playing varsity ball at, at Holland Park. And uh, my junior year, we only lost four games. Just in uh, one was in the state tournament and the state championship. Another um, was in the uh, Leavenworth tournament and another in the uh, Topeka Invitational. So we, uh, you know, we had a really good team. We didn't lose a game in the Centennial League, uh, but we lost in the state championship. And, you know, we just went to work 
the next year, my senior year, we went 25 and 0, won the state championship. I think with an average margin of victory of like 27 points, I think. So <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was yeah, it was crazy. It was a fun year. We were kind of like I don't know, mini rock stars if you want to call us. Um, you know, all our games were sold out no matter where we went in the state of Kansas. Um, I think we had two games that year, one win against Nixon and one win against Bishop Yeage, who had guys like Trevor and Travis Relaford, who both played Division One ball. At uh, Trevor went to Alabama. Travis obviously played at Kansas. Right. Uh, Willie Reed, who played at St. Louis and who's been in the, the NBA in and out for, you know, the last five or six years. Chris Combs is a really good player. I mean, they, they were loaded. Um, but those were the only two single-point wins that we had um, all season. All the rest of them were by double digits, um, you know, and we, we just had a really good team, man. We had a really good team, and it was a, a – you know, I still think about that, you know, to this day, being able to play for Coach Ken Darling, who's probably the, the best coach to ever coach in, in the state of Kansas. I think he has five state championships. They went on to win two in a row after I left. Um, so just uh, being able to come out of that uh, – that basketball culture definitely prepared me for for what was next to come. Obviously, at Missouri State. Sure. Well, I was a uh, I was at Missouri State too. You and I are pretty much there almost at the exact same time. Uh, what made you choose Springfield, Missouri, for your home for college? Uh, it's a good question. It was just uh, it was a lot of uh, things. It wasn't just one thing. Um, obviously. Um, my AAU coach with Pump and Run when I was on the 16 and under team was Steve Woodbury. Played at Kansas, uh, had a professional career in, I uh, believe, Australia, uh, France, Lithuania. Um, but when he was done, he came back to coach Pump and Run, the younger team. And uh, I loved playing for him. He's a great guy. He was funny. Uh, but more importantly, uh, he pushed me to be to be great. You know, he, he was on me tough when I was with Pump and Run. And, and uh, so I knew he had my best interest and, in, you know, he was going to have me maximize my talent. Um, so I had that connection as well as at the time, Missouri State was always in the thick of things in the Missouri Valley. They hadn't been to the tournament, you know, and up until that point, eight or nine years. But they were always, you know, I think they had four or five 20-win seasons in a row. Um, you know, they were always in top three to four teams in the Valley, and that's when Creighton was really good, Southern Illinois was really good, Northern Iowa was always there. So um, going into a culture like that, um, it was kind of almost a no-brainer. Sure. Um, it's one of the better offers that I that I had. I had a couple other Valley offers, but they were kind of at the bottom at the time. And, um you know, it was just a, an overall good situation. And uh, last but not least, you know, it was three and a half hours from my hometown. So, you know, my parents um, were both going to be able to to get me come, you know, come to get me see, uh, watch me play a bunch as well as, you know, a lot of road games in the Valley. So, uh, like I said, for me, it was a no brainer. Sure. Well, I think a lot of kids, especially our kids, don't think about that sometimes about, you know, being close to family and whatnot when you go to college is a big deal because they can come watch you play. You can go home, do laundry, right. get a home cooked meal. You know, that's one of those things that sometimes yeah, no, no, people no. look look and beyond. All that stuff is huge, but at the same time, it was you know it was far enough for me to have my my freedom, you know, my fun in college. Sure. But um, like you said, whenever you needed to get home for a couple nights, you know, it's just a three hour drive uh, on the highway. So it was definitely a blessing. Right. And you guys had some great years at Missouri State. You know, you were named MVC Conference Player of the Year, uh, honorable mention All American. 
Um, you know, you kind of talked a little bit about your high school upcoming, how you became uh, who you were through your hard work and hard work and mentality aspect. Do you feel like that those accolades that you received were part not only of the team that year, but of just the idea of how that hard work mentality that you, you have? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like I said, I, you know, I give a lot of credit to my high school coach, Ken Darden. You know, he was not going to promise you anything. Um, you know, parents knew that, uh, kids knew that. Um, so everything that you got, you know, you had to earn and Highland Park has such a rich basketball tradition all the way back, you know, until the late seventies, early eighties. So, um, to be able to play for them, you know, you, you have to bring it and, sure. you know, just putting in that work, um, and, uh, you know, it, it had me ready for college. So I thought, <laughs> and, you know, I played for Barry Henson. I redshirted my first year. Obviously he was fired. And then Conzo Martin came in and, uh, he rocked my world for, for sure. Uh, I thought I was working hard while, while coach Henson was there and it's no knock to coach Henson. He was a great guy, he was a family oriented man. Uh, and another big reason why I went there and, but he, he wanted you to, to have a good college experience. He wanted you to, to have fun. You know, he was going to push you in practice, but um, he didn't really demand you too much to, to be in the gym. And when Coach Martin came there, it was the total opposite. He, I mean, the drills that we were doing were, I mean, it really broke you down. It really made you question, you know, do I love this? Like, is this really for me? You know, I remember numerous times, you know, calling my dad, just being like, I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to quit. I mean, you know, sliding with a 10 pound med ball out in front with your arms locked with, you know, weighted uh, bands around your ankles, wearing a weight vest. I mean, it was doing defensive slides all the way, you know, slow all the way from cone to cone, you know, the width of the court. I mean, it was, it was taxing, man. And, uh, but he just instilled that, that another step, you know, I, I felt like I was ready when I got to college, but I had no idea. And uh, he took me to that next level of, of what it really was to work hard. And he pushed me, you know, way out of my comfort zone. And, uh, you know, I'm forever grateful for, for him as well, because some of the stuff that I endure over here in Europe, I just kind of laugh at it because they think it's hard. And, you know, I'm just like, man, you have no idea what I what I did for three years playing for him uh at Missouri State right. so um yeah man definitely you know got to give a lot of credit to the coaches and you know and the people in my corner all the way up to this point that instilled that work ethic in me but I would definitely say you know obviously along with the teammates that I had at Missouri State we had a great team um you know a veteran team the year I won player of the year we have we started myself uh but we started as a junior and four other seniors so guys that left their ego at the door guys that didn't care about who got the credit and uh we just went out and battled man and uh it was one of the best years of my life for sure absolutely well that's one of those things where you know it, the accolades are always of the individual athlete but the team always helps a long term on especially in a team sport like that so you know phenomenal college career uh, great accolades uh, what happened next what was the next step for you after that so you know, I kind of stopped at my junior year, and Coach Martin, we, we won the first ever conference tournament uh, championship, regular season championship um, in Missouri State history. And we had a really good year. I think we were 25-8 and eight or 26-8. and eight. Uh, We lost to Miami in the second, Miami, Florida, on the road in the uh, second round of the NIT. And... Uh, 
he was fortunate enough to get, you know, a new contract at the University of Tennessee and he got what five years, seven million. So uh, was obviously a great opportunity that he could, you know, not turn down. So he left and I had the option to uh, graduate uh, right there in the summer. And I could have went and played um, anywhere in the country right away with that new tra uh, grad transfer rule. So obviously, uh, with with that being on the table, some people out there had followed me. Obviously, having a player of the year, great year, great team year, and uh, you know, Kansas uh, made some calls, and Kansas State, Oregon, um, Cal, and. Uh, you know, I really weighed my options and it was tough, but the, you know, Missouri state was like a second home to me in there. I just wanted to finish my career there. My, my goal was to, to someday have my Jersey in the rafters. And I just, my father and my mother always, you know, preached loyalty to me. And that's, you know, I, I, there was no way I could leave. So I finished things out there my senior year. Uh, it, were, it was kind of an up and down year. You know, I had a tough time realizing, Hey, this, this thing can go either way. You know, sure. I had a lot of pressure on myself. What am I going to do after this? Am I going to make it to the NBA? Am I going to play overseas? You know, what What am I going to do? And my, you know, I came out of the gate struggling a little bit my senior year. And, uh, you know, I just said, you know, forget it. Um, I'm going to go down swinging. And I started playing really good, had some really good games. I think I had my career high at Creighton. Um, played good against uh, Oklahoma State on ESPNU, so had some good games and was fortunate to, um, you know, catch the eyes of uh, you know two or three really good agents and uh, just kind of played the, you know, that 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 game afterwards. You know, meeting with them, um, a lot of phone conversations, and uh, ended up getting invited to the the top 64. Um, seniors camp the Portsmouth Invitational in Virginia and uh, met with you know all those agents out there and dealt with that and uh, you know meanwhile up leading leading up to that I was out in California for you know as soon as uh, I played my last game against Evansville in the conference tournament I flew, my uncle who at the time Chris Weems he played at Stanford he was um player development with the Golden State Warriors so he was in charge of working out you know Steph Curry and Brandon Rush I mean some pretty important people um so he would work me out in the mornings and then he'd go to work and do his thing with the Warriors and then I would go work out again at the Olympic Club um in downtown San Francisco so it was just a good setup and I was fortunate enough to play really well at that top senior camp uh out of 64 players um I was ranked number seven, leaving that. Wow. Um, obviously, in attendance, it was all 30 NBA teams with general managers and their scouts, a lot of overseas agents, overseas teams. So that's kind of when people were, you know, the way I could shoot it, the the way I was defending, and, uh, you know, my size was kind of like, uh, you know, it was intriguing for them. So from from playing well there, it opened up some different doors. I had – you know, I had eight NBA workouts, um, and I, I went ahead and, and picked the, the agent, uh, the agency that I'm with now. Um, I'm still with them to this day, and they've been great. And I ended up signing with them, and then from then on, they just, you know, they were on the phone setting me up all these workouts. And uh, I worked out for the Lakers, I worked out for the Spurs, the Nuggets, the Cavaliers, um, the Raptors. 
the Nuggets, and I think I'm missing a couple teams. But I mean, that experience was was nuts, man. It was literally, you know, you fly in the night before your workout. You know, you can they'll give you some type of per diem money, or you know, you order room service um, in the uh, in the hotel that they put you up in, and you wake up the next morning, get your breakfast, go work out. You you uh, you know maybe talk with the general manager for a little bit. They'll ask you a couple of questions, and then boom, you're on a flight the next day. So you're not even really there 24 hours. You know you're there like 16 hours, and you know it's kind of you got to be on call at all times. You know I remember one time I was working out uh, with my cousin on the court, and uh, just got done lifting weights. And uh, Cleveland called and was like, "Yeah, can you be in a workout?" Uh, we're we're gonna get you a flight at one, and it was like ten thirty at the time. So I shower, <laughs> and, you know, immediately just drive to the airport. I actually got pulled over on the way to the airport, um, and had to explain all that. So you know that lifestyle was was honestly stressful because you know that you're you know you have at least a chance to the NBA, but obviously we all know the the percentages are really small for that. Right, right. With not a lot of guys, you know, not a lot of guys are, are retiring. You know, there's a lot of guys leaving school early. There's guys from overseas coming in. And so, you know, it's only 450 spots. But, you know, it was a good experience. And, uh, you know, I played summer league with Golden State that summer. And then after my first game, I, they actually traded me to the Toronto Raptors, which not a lot oh, of people geez. can say they got traded in freaking <laughs> NBA summer league. But uh, it happened to me. But I wasn't complaining. I got to switch hotels from Mandalay Bay to – the encore, you know, I got more per diem money. And at that time I hadn't signed a contract yet. So, you know, I was excited to get, you know, free cash. And, um, I went on to go, uh, I played pretty good. I met with a team from bond, Germany, telecom baskets bond. We were sponsored by T-Mobile. So that was cool. We had pink jerseys and black ones. And, <laughs> um, you know, we got iPhones for 20 euros. So that was, you know, that was cool, but made pretty good money. Um, played really well um, that year. And, uh, you know, I played mainly the four, mainly power forward. So one thing that uh, I wanted to do going in that my agency thought was best for me was market myself as strictly a small forward with that I could play a little bit of four because I had size, I can handle the ball, um, I could shoot it. So they thought, you know, for me to maximize my, my dollar amount over here, um, it'd be best if if I marketed myself as you know as the small forward. Sure, and, more know, options for sure. Work. Yeah, I was worried that you know they didn't think I could do it. Blah blah blah. Well, I had a, uh, I didn't. It, normally, you know, overseas you're signing you know anywhere from June to you know right around July fourth, maybe that next week, um, and I didn't have a job as of what. August 20th and you know I was starting to panic and I'm thinking you know I'm passing up deals that you know might have been really it was really really good money but it was mainly playing the four and I didn't want to cap out as a four I wanted to you know keep growing my money every single year sure and uh got a call from Bayreuth in Germany and uh a coach wanted me really bad he upped my money from what I made the first year by you know a lot and uh, he said, I'm going to give him the chance to, to play the three. I think he's a three, but I'm going to push him, you know, out of his comfort zone because I want him to be able to guard multiple positions. And I ended up going there. It was a tough year. We only played once a week. 
So we only played German games on on Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, it was just a long year. But I had my, you know, at the time she was my fiance, but my wife with me. We didn't have any kids. Um, so it was just a lot of, you know, book reading, TV show, watching and, you know, traveling. We were three hours from Berlin by car, two and a half from Munich. So um, and then just being, a, you know, a lot of a lot of in the gym, a lot of extra shots, a lot of a lot of weight room sessions. Um, and I actually averaged the most I ever averaged in my career. But we were terrible. We <laughs> didn't have a deep. Yeah, it was weird. We didn't have a deep team. We only had. We had six Americans. One of them was hurt a majority of the year. We played pressure full-court defense. You know, we were rah-rah. You know, I had to play about 37 out of the 40 minutes a game. But I averaged, you know, almost 15 points, almost like five or six rebounds. And, uh, you know, I was our best player. So that caught the eye of of some some other good teams. So that's what opened up – a new market, which was France. So going into my third year, there was a team non-tier and uh, kind of a smaller brand club, very professional, take care of you on and off the court. Um, my agency sent a bunch of people there and it was kind of a stepping stone uh, team. And uh, stepping stone meaning you go there, they give you a lot of freedom, you play well, you move on to bigger and better jobs. And that was one of the most fun years of my of my life. We had guys that I mean, one through four, anybody could shoot a three, anybody could run a ball screen, anybody could, you know, throw alley-oops, anybody could dunk. I mean, it was just a fun year, and we ended up uh, winning the Euro Challenge that year in Turkey, which was a crazy experience, you know, sold-out arena on the road, 8,000 people, and we won on a last-second layup uh, on an offensive rebound, so... um, you know, they actually had to like go to the monitor and and really see if it left his hands in enough time, and they counted it good. And as we cheered, you know, people are throwing lighters, coins, uh, <laughs> old cell phones. Like they were launching everything on the court, but we didn't care, man. We were, we just, uh, we just won a Euro Challenge championship. So, um, from that good year, obviously my money went up for my second year, and I and I was, uh, I believe, the forward of the year on the Eurobasket website from um in the Euro Challenge. I play I was on first team. I played really well. I think I averaged about twelve and a half points, uh four rebounds, over two assists, over almost two steals, um, and just played really well. Uh, I was very comfortable there. Which led me to Strasbourg. Strasbourg was in France and had the French national team coach who still coaches the French national team. And, I mean, you know, Tony Parker, Nicholas Batum. I'm sure everybody knows Rudy Gobert by now, if you don't already, uh, <laughs> from uh, this whole coronavirus yeah. thing. And, uh, but he's coached some really good players. He has a really good organized system. And, uh, you know, people have to think the game to play for him. So it was different. Uh, wasn't as much freedom, but he still gave you freedom within, within his system. And, uh, we played Euroleague that year. I was able to, you know, have some, some really good Euroleague games. Uh, we played in kind of like a group of death with, you know, Real Madrid and, and Spain, Fenerbahce is in Istanbul, Red Stars in Serbia, uh, Bayern Munich in Germany. I mean, we had some really, really tough teams with some guys making a lot of money. So that kind of opened up a new, uh, market again. And I right. played well. We ended up getting, 
we were up 2-0 in a best-of-five series in the French finals that year. Ended up losing 3-2, which I still, you know, have regrets about to this day, but it's all part of the plan. Um, and we got second in the Euro Cup after we didn't advance in the Euro League. That was the last year we dropped down to the Euro Cup and ended up uh, losing in the championship to a team that, I mean, the guys were making 600, 700,000, 900, you know, a million. I mean, these, this team was loaded. So, you know, it sucked to lose, but it was also understandable um, comparing our budget to theirs. But right. it was still a great right. experience. And that's what led me to, to Besiktas and, uh, and Istanbul. Um, got a one plus one year uh, deal there for almost doubling. They could actually did double what I made in Strasbourg. So, it was, again, it was a no-brainer. Right. The only wrinkle that got thrown in that plan was uh, I actually was just signed a deal on a Carnival cruise ship with my family. I was really excited. You know, the the dollar amount I signed for, you know, I was almost in tears. I, I thought it was I thought my agent was, you know, playing a joke on me. Um, you know, I, I just thought, I, you know, a kid from Topeka, Kansas could never be playing and making this. And um, but Turkey had that kind of money. And, uh, you know, the next day after I signed, you know, I had limited service on that cruise ship. And my phone just starts going off once I got to the Wi-Fi. And here they are having a government coup shooting at each other on, you know, a bridge. <laughs> and uh, oh, so boy. I was like, damn, you know, am I, am I going to go? And, you know, am I going to bring my – if I do decide to go, am I going to bring my family? Um, it was just a bunch of uncertainty. But things calmed down. Thank God the government got things under control. My family and I went in. Went over about the middle of August, and uh, it, we had a great two years. My first year, we made it. Uh, my first year, we got paid on time, luckily, because Turkey's known for paying late, you know, a month or two. And, <laughs> That's always uh, good to have, then, at least, right? Yeah, we got paid on time, which was great. And we had a good group of guys, man. We had Daryl Strawberry Jr., uh, DJ Strawberry, who played at Maryland. Uh, we had Earl Clark, who went to Louisville. And played in the NBA with, you know, I think he played with Kobe on the Lakers. He played with the Orlando Magic, played with the Cavaliers, the Suns. Um, we had Michael Roll, who played with Kevin Love at uh, UCLA. Juice Thompson was like the leading scorer in Northwestern history. So, I mean, we had some we had some talent, man. We had we had some talent. And, uh, you know, it was fun. That Those fan base was crazy. Um and we ended up making it to the Turkish League finals that year, which was, you know, it was great. It was the first time they had been to the finals in like six or seven years. Matter of fact, first time they made the playoffs in six or seven years. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and, and our coach was, it was his first year there, a Turkish guy. He, I mean, he demanded a lot. You definitely earned your money that year with, with practices and, you know, a lot of everything was running, everything was you know, making sure you're in good shape. So, but it was worth it because we had a good year. Uh, they I, they picked up my option as well as everybody else um, that year. So everybody but one or two guys came back as far as the foreigners. All the Turkish guys came back. We added a couple pieces. And uh, we had a had, we're having a good year. We had some injuries. Earl got hurt. Uh, John Diebler from Ohio State was banged up a little bit, but he was playing really well too. Um, Ryan Boatwright from UConn that year with Shabazz Napier when they won it all. Uh, you know, he was banged up. So we, we got out to the gates 
a little slow, lost a couple games, and then we maintained, and when we started getting to the end of that year, they started paying late because we got booted out of the FIBA Champions League, and then that's when kind of guys lost interest in the rest of the season because they were, you know, if your contract can be voided, uh, if they don't pay you within 45 days, you're free to leave. Well, they were paying guys on the 44th day and on the 45th day. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, That's crazy. you know, that, yeah, I ended up getting home that year. We lost in the first round of the Turkish League playoffs to the five seed. I believe we were the four, which was still, I mean, a good, a good year because the top three seeds that year were all teams that, uh, that, uh, had good money. So, uh, right, right. Anyway, that 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 was the end of of my sixth year. So going into my seventh year, I played well because Earl was hurt a majority of that that second year in Besiktash, and uh, so I signed with a team Tofus in Bursa, Turkey, which is an hour and a half from Istanbul, and uh, it was a good experience, man. It was a little bit smaller town. Uh, as far as stuff to do, it still had around four million people. The coach was really, really chill. I mean, there with all the national team breaks and stuff, we probably got three to four different breaks of four to five days, which over there is unheard of. Um, right. Um, you know, I went to Dubai twice, London once, obviously Istanbul a lot. So that was cool. We got paid on time. Um, again, coach gave me a lot of freedom. And uh, I played well. We ended up losing in the semis to Fenerbahce, who ended up losing in the finals. Uh, I think we finished third that year. And then that's what led me to to here, which I'm on a two-year fully guaranteed deal here in Italy, in Bologna. Coach is great. I play with, you know, a EuroLeague. Literally, he's a EuroLeague um, legend, um, and he's still playing. Milos Teodosic. Um, I mean, the guy's like playing with – a magician. I mean, if you're not ready, he'll hit you in the face with the ball. So you got to be ready at all times. Um, and uh, yeah, man, it's it's just been a blessing so far um, on the court. Obviously, um, until all this coronavirus stuff is <laughs> yes. has obviously slowed stuff down. But man, uh, it's kind of you know weird to to sit here and talk with you and just think full circle um, about how how you know. 15 years ago or 16 years ago, I was some, you know, short, pudgy, not very athletic kid. And now I'm, you know, in my eighth year and, and, uh, you know, almost finished with my eight years as a pro. So, uh, it's really a blessing for sure. 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 Well, you talked about all the places you've been in Europe from playing, uh, what would be your favorite place you've been and, and why? Man, the favorite place I've been, I think, uh, it's out of London or Dubai. London was just, it's real Americanized. Obviously, everybody speaks English. Um, there was a lot of stuff to do for my kids, obviously. Um, <laughs> but Dubai, I mean, it was cold, rainy when the city where I was at in Turkey. So to be able to leave in the middle of the year and go get 85 degree weather. Um, and then they had in the, we stayed in the, in the mall there. So as soon as we landed, we went and saw the Burj Khalifa, which is the world's tallest building. And then we went straight to IHOP in the mall, uh, you know, and got, you know, a little American breakfast fix that we needed. They had Raisin Cane's. They had Red Lobster. They had Cheesecake Factory, um, Wendy's. I mean, they got all these different American food spots that just kind of, you know, bring you a little touch of the U.S. before you, you know, go back to 
to Turkey, which they had they had some American, you know, pizza spots like, you know, Little Caesars and they had Papa John's and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, this stuff in Dubai for me was the food thing was legit. But those are the two uh, probably best places that I visited. As far as my favorite to live, it had to be in Istanbul. I mean, they had everything you needed. I mean, there's 18 million people there. Uh, they had so much stuff to do for kids. They had like seven malls. Um, we lived right in the heart of stuff. So I don't, I'm sure everybody out there's, you know, seen Salt Bay, um, the noose red guy who's, you know, cutting meat up and sprinkling the salt, you know, down on, on, on the meat. And, uh, but for sure, man, we lived right down the street from that. So that was cool. They had PF chains there and stuff. So it was just a good experience to live. And, uh, they had, you know, big, huge, nice, um, sprinter vans for Uber. And it'd be like two bucks to go, you know, to the mall or, you know, and that's us dollars, you know, three bucks to drive you to the airport. So it was really cheap living. Um, and we were making good money then. So, uh, it was just a good overall setup. Sure. Sure. Well, we're uh, we're here on day two of our stay at home. As you can hear me rush, rush around the couch, chasing dogs and whatnot through the house, um, but right. nothing like yours. So, tell me about your experience in your day to day life these past weeks slash month in Italy. Man, uh, it's honestly it's been pretty damn stressful, man. Uh, I think the toughest part for me is just the the not knowing. We don't know what our league is going to do yet. Uh, we're still in the Euro Cup. We're in the top eight, so. We're relying on the EuroLeague and EuroCup board to make a decision, which I think they just announced today. They still plan on finishing the season, which I don't know how the hell they think that's going to happen because it's hitting all these countries. The coronavirus is hitting all these countries at different speeds, at different severity levels, and obviously Italy being probably worse than China. Um, and it's still, you know, over 600 to 700 deaths per day. Um, yeah, it's so unbelievable. In the scheme of things, how the hell can we really talk about basketball or soccer right now? Like, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. But, sure. uh, so today actually is, we've been locked down for 12 full days. Today is coming up on the end of the 13th day. And it was supposed to be a lockdown until, so today's the 25th, around today or tomorrow give or take is going to be the complete 14 days it's going to be extended obviously um because we they thought it was going to slow down by now and we'd be able to start our practice our team practices back up but it hasn't so they're going to extend no team practices until april 3rd and which means you know the same thing we've been doing only thing you can do is go to the grocery store in your area um and that's it back home um Last week, we were fortunate to at least be able to go in groups of two or three to go, you know, get some workouts in at the gym, get weights, uh, weight session in, get some shots up. And that got shut down because it got released that, you know, we shouldn't have been doing it, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, man, uh, I think we've been not officially locked down like we have been for 14 days. We've been limited in what we can do it's for me it's been strictly to the gym and back home right even the week even the week that i brought my family to the airport and that was the end of, of february i think they flew out on the 24th of february and i mean even before they left we were still doing that it was strictly grocery store and back home i didn't have my kids in their little preschool um and that's when they were already starting to cancel games because of it and 
Not to mention, it was starting to get bad. We went and played in Tenerife for the FIBA Intercontinental Cup, and they were already testing our temperatures, you know, when we landed there, testing our temperatures when we came back here. And then we had the uh, mid-season Italian Cup um, in Pesaro, which right now is a – it's about an hour and a half away to two hours, and it's a red region. And there's been breakouts like crazy. Um, and it's just been, man, it's been nuts to, to just see full circle um, this thing just evolve and literally get worse. And they they also said that we lost in overtime of the first round game. So we, we left that night. But they said that as the crowds grew bigger and bigger, they're pretty sure a lot of people um, got the virus from that cup. From that exposure, um, yeah. Yeah, so... You know, just to think, you know, how close it's it's getting to home, man. It's uh, it's kind of just a you know a scary time right now. But you know, I kind of been hearing, you know, everybody back home. You know, oh, I've been in the house for, you know, two and three days, and I'm just looking like, man, I've been in the house <laughs> for a month and a half. So. You have no idea, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. So, sure, it's been tough, man. That's crazy. It's um. It's definitely a different situation for everybody uh, not having to ever be through this kind of stuff before. But you know, it's kind of it's kind of funny. We have switched all our athletes to online training, but it's just kind of fun to see what kids come up with what they can do at home because you can't leave the house or you're not supposed to leave the house. So we're going to use this water jug, or we're going to do this, or we're going to go out and do this. Right. And so it's going to be interesting. I think that you know, time will tell, but we'll all get through this. Uh, it's you know, just another no, thing for sure. And it's a it's, for sure. And I think. Go ahead. I'll say it's just a, it's a small blip in the the factor of what actual year looks like, and you know it's just it's just crazy there right here right now though. No, for sure, and I think more importantly, just from a uh, from a professional athlete and just an athlete in general, it doesn't even have to be a professional athlete. It's going to test your your will to to be great in whatever you're doing, um, and I think that you know that's kind of one of the positive things about it is if uh if you can work out and with these measures in your house like you said picking up a water jug or you know i don't even know what else you would squat with a chair or something i don't know but (laughs) if you can do if you can do that it's going to give you that appreciation and that that will to uh you know give it even everything you got even that much more when it is time to get back in the lab either with you guys or you know whatever sport that that people are playing so and i know that i can't wait to get back in the lab uh you know with you or if we start our season back up over here just over here but right it just gives you that that appreciation man for for uh just being around your sport and being able, being able to per- perfect your craft sure sure well, we always have to finish off any of our interviews with some fun, quick-fire questions. And I didn't send these okay. to you for a reason, because I want, I want you rapid-fire answers. So, you know what you can think you. about this one. So, first question, favorite food or favorite meal? Good old steak, baked potato, and a salad. Now, are you a medium, medium-rare, rare guy? What's I'm your- a me- I'm- I used to be well done, but now that I've been overseas <laughs> for eight years, I'm a, I'm a medium. I'm a medium guy. So you're work, you're, we're working you in the right direction. That's good. Good. That's right. Okay. Uh, second one. Favorite NBA basketball team? Now it's the Lakers because I'm just a LeBron fan. So okay. got to be the Lakers right now. Okay. Uh, if you're not playing basketball, what are you doing? Whew. Kids. Whatever they want to do. <laughs> whatever, whatever they have uh, 
in store for me. I'm, I'm just spending time with them, spending time with my wife, um, and uh, just enjoying them. Good. Last question. Favorite place you've ever vacationed to? Not played, vacationed. <laughs> Vacation to. I think it's a tie. Uh, my wife and I, before we had kids, our uh, honeymoon, we went to Punta Cana, uh, Dominican Republic, which it was awesome um, there. And Dubai. Dubai was, I mean, to see a man-made place that's just that beautiful. It's so clean. Um, I mean, you could probably eat something off the street. Literally, it's that clean. Um, <laughs> but those two places, as far as weather, everything it has to offer, um, for sure, man, those two places at the top. Well, awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you for taking the time out of the day to talk to me and our, our uh, listeners as well. I know everybody's pretty excited to hear your story and whatnot, and we'll be following you as the uh, the season goes on. I know it pushes itself into the summer, and it creates a shorter off season for you, but I know as a basketball guy, you want to play basketball. So the sooner you can get there, the better. So I, I do appreciate you taking the time today. My man, anytime. I appreciate you.